Well, good morning, Minnesota. It's always a privilege to stand before this great ministry family. Today we receive new ordained, licensed, certified ministers onto the team. We welcome to a growing ministry family. We are so glad you are here. You've passed your test, you survived the interviews. It was so much fun just being able to hear your stories, being able to spend some time together with you over the past months. Today we celebrate with you, your family, your friends, and for those who are joining us online who could not be with us, we say a special welcome today. At this district council, we're also celebrating 100 years of ministers saying yes to the call of God. It's a special centennial year. And we recognize there are those who've gone before us. You're part of a ministry team that has been called to every corner of this state. You're part of a ministry team that has been sent to the ends of the earth. And you're gonna make it better. You're making it better already. We welcome you to this team. 1959. Legendary coach by the name of Vince Lombardi went to join a new team, the Green Bay Packers. Now, I've got to tell you, it really pains me to say anything nice about the Packers, okay? It's, it's a stretch, but sometimes for a message, you've just got to go there. <sighs> Vince Lombardi was an amazing leader. He really was. Interesting that he didn't start his coaching career until he was 46 years old, and yet there were many players who said, he was the best coach I ever had. Some of you who are starting ministry, maybe a little older than 23 or 24, there's people that are gonna say of you someday, as they're talking to their kids, they were the best pastor I ever had. They spoke into my life in incredible ways. It doesn't matter our age, God calls, we respond. Vince Lombardi never coached a team with a losing record. In all of the playoffs that his teams were a part of, they lost one of them, one. They uh, just continued to win. Their playoff record was nine and one. I love the story that's told about Vince and his first meeting with the Green Bay Packers. Now keep in mind that these guys were, as they had grown up, they were all state players in the state, the high school that they, they played in. They were all Americans when they played college and now they were seasoned veteran players of the Green Bay Packers. They were a good team. They hadn't made the playoffs a year before but they just missed. There were pro bowlers sitting in that room. Vince Lombardi takes a football in his hands in front of that team and says, gentlemen, 
This is a football. He took them back to the basics. They focused on the fundamentals. And they won games. He said, we're going to be better at the basics than anybody else. He went on and he made the statement, football is about two things. And those of us who watch football, of course, we would say, whatever. Probably not what he said. He said it's about tackling and blocking. That's it. If we can tackle, we can play defense. If we can block, we can score. And his teams proved him right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is God's word. I'm not going to throw it. It, everything we are and stand for starts and ends right here. When we know this book better than the enemy, we win. Enemy comes against Jesus, Jesus responds with the word. Back to the basics, the fundamentals. Brought a little gift for all of you who are being credentialed today. I want all those who are being credentialed, please stand. And uh, we have just now, it, it's a little, it's a really little gift. But it's just kind of the, the uh, theme of my message this morning, back to the basics. And uh, I couldn't find a green football. I didn't want to find one, so I found a purple one. And uh, here we go. Come on, let's get a little music going along with you. Assemblies of God, back to the basics. Let's focus on the fundamentals. Doesn't matter this morning if we're seasoned in ministry, presbyter, pastor, or we're just beginning this ministry journey. Back to the basics. Some things as we believe, as we preach, as we live are eternal. I want to talk to you about a hero of mine from the Old Testament. He was a leader as well. His name this morning, his name and his, his name then was Elijah. 
First Kings chapter 18 and verse 19. References will be from chapter 19. Let me just set up the story a little bit to set the stage. He's one of the greatest men of God in the scriptures. Tremendous prophet. He's one of only two men who did not die in the scriptures. God took him, sent a limo for him. Red, orange, fiery limo. He accomplished more in one day, Elijah did, than perhaps all of us in this room on our greatest day combined. I want to talk about that day and what happened out as a result of that day. 1 Kings 18 talks about a drought that came on the land of Israel because Elijah said it wouldn't rain. And it did not rain for three and a half years. Three and a half years into it, Elijah arranges for a meeting between he and King Ahab. King Ahab sees him. He is the, a wicked king married to a wicked wife named Jezebel. And he sees, he's been looking for Elijah for three years. He says, there you are, you traitor. Elijah wasn't intimidated at all by the king. He had a message for the king. He said, no, I'm not the one. He said, you and your family, you've walked away from God and you have taken us away from God's laws and God's word. And then Elijah said, I want you to bring all of Israel to Mount Carmel. And Ahab said, okay. The big day began. They started by building two altars. Elijah said, you call on the name of your gods, I'll call on my God. We'll ask him to send fire. Whoever answers, he is God. They agreed. The day is underway. The prophets of Baal did their thing. They danced, they shouted, they screamed, they cut themselves, and Elijah mocked. He had a good time just just watching. When he had seen enough, he said, follow me. Dig a trench, would you? They dig a trench. There were four pots of water. You know the story. Fill the water, fill the pots, empty them on to the sacrifice. He does that three times. The water is overflowing over the sacrifice. It fills the trough. Elijah prays. God sends fire. It is such a hot fire, it consumes the sacrifice, it consumes the stones, it consumes the soil, it consumes everything. And what happens? The people of Israel fall on their knees and collectively cry out, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Elijah seizes the moment and he says, take the 850 prophets, the 450 false prophets of Baal, the 400 of Asherah, take them down to the valley. He executes them. Interesting. Then he says to the king, Ahab, Eat quick, because it's going to rain. 
He prays six times, no rain. The seventh time, as he looks out over the ocean, he sees the form of a man's hand coming up out of the ocean, a cloud. He says to the king, get in your chariot and ride fast because rain is coming and it will prohibit you from getting back to Jezreel. Ahab listens. He takes off. Elijah's day's not done. There's one more thing. He senses the spirit of God on him. He tucks his, his robe into his belt and he outruns the chariot. Mm. Man, we all would love that kind of anointing. What a day! Not a bad day. You call down fire from heaven, the whole nation repents. You call down rain from heaven, and you run a marathon in record, record time. You'd think at that point that Elijah would, it's over. I mean, the battle's won. But there's, there's one more obstacle in his way, Jezebel. And uh, Jezebel sends this message to Elijah. She says, by tomorrow, you'll be like those 850 prophets you just killed. They worked for me. You're a goner. And then Elijah, he, he spoke those immortal words that we, we see in scripture and we all quote and you, you see it in movies. He said, go ahead, make my day. <laughs> no, he didn't. That was Clint Eastwood. What did Elijah say? Nothing. The cat got his tongue. The scripture says in 1 Kings 19 verse 3, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. Why did Jezebel's threat push him over the edge? He needed to come back to the basics. He was spent. He was exhausted. He had nothing left to give. He had given it all. In football terms, he left it all on the field. Nothing left. And so on the heels of the greatest day of victory, he runs. He fails. And God brought him back to the basics. It's interesting in chapter 19. As we follow this story, three things. Is that a surprise to you? Three things that are part of the basics. Didn't have room to put them all on there. So you're going to have to make a mental note. Rest. Rest. Hmm. What does the scripture say? He laid down under a bush. He fell asleep. I suppose God was really ticked at him. Why are you sleeping on the job? I'm sure the Lord was just about to scold him. God sent an angel to scold him, right? Wrong. God sent a culinary angel. 
built a fire. Elijah's sleeping. Builds a fire. I smell bread. Homemade bread. Wow. He knows he's thirsty. He gets a little jar of water. Cold water. He sets it beside Elijah's head. And he shakes him a little bit. The angel does. Wake up. Wake up, sleepyhead. And Elijah looks around. He smells the bread. Has some water. Eats the meal. He falls back asleep. What's going on here? He falls asleep. The angel doesn't get mad. Heaven doesn't scold. Heaven's going, rest, rest. Angel wakes him again. They go through the same part of the story. <clears throat> Sometimes in ministry, we can sense God's presence. We can sense his anointing. We come out of a weekend of ministry or whenever your ministry time is and we say, I'm invincible. Did you see what God did? Rest, that's, that's for the weak. That, that's, for, that's for someone else. It's not for me. You might say this morning, Mark, why are we talking about rest? Some of us are just on the front end of ministry. We haven't hardly done anything to rest from yet. Because we want you in this for the long haul. We don't want you to be one and done. God says rest. God has ordained rest in our lives. Healthy leaders produce healthy churches. Take care of yourself physically. Rest your body, your emotions your mind, we need that. Weekly, not monthly, weekly, we all need rest. Elijah needed it. Jesus, in Mark chapter six, said these words to his disciples. Kind of interesting, his use of the word rest. He says, come with me by yourselves. Not with the crowd, by yourselves. To where? A quiet place. And get some rest. So they went away by themselves to a boat, on a boat to a solitary place. Oh, can you imagine? Just being out on a boat with Jesus, Pastor Sam. Oh, this is a good day. This, the crowd's not there. It's just us. Relax, rest. We must be intentional about finding times of rest, rhythms of rest. This is a part of our lives. We need routines of rest. We need to disengage from people. No one is exempt. No one. Inhibiting let me just say this, there are different seasons of our life. We do it differently. But you better find 
your place of rest. Inhibiting, Pastor St. John made it easy for us. He said, I'm gonna take a day off. I'm gonna take a day off. So on, on Sundays, we had three services. In the morning, service at night, altar service, and then the staff would go party. We'd go out to eat. And then we'd go to one of our houses. About midnight or so, Barb and I would jump in our Chevette. <laughs> we'd drive to Duluth, an hour and 15 minutes away. My parents were also in ministry. I knew they'd be sleeping at 1.15. They were wiped out from a day of ministry. We'd come in the house quietly and go to sleep. Next morning, I'd go to the Y, play basketball. Barb would hang out. We'd go out to eat old country buffet. Good thing I went to the Y. That's how I've stayed so skinny. Oh. Dad paid. Oh, what a great day off. Dad paid. We watched Monday Night Football. We drove back, and we were refreshed. It was our rhythm. We didn't have cell phones. You've got to find a rhythm. You've got to find a routine. In ministry, it's not as easy as it appears. You follow through the scripture in Mark chapter six and you read the rest of the chapter. Jesus headed to the solitary place with his disciples having this quiet moment on the boat. They get to the solitary place and it's not solitary. The multitude's waiting and Jesus says, Maybe they didn't see us. Pull up the anchors, keep going, keep going. It's our day off. Go, 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 go. No, he didn't. He looked on the multitudes with compassion. As sheep without a shepherd, Mark 6 says. And they dove into ministry. Life is, and ministry is filled with crises. But we can't live our lives in crises mode. When I mentioned to my daughter, rest was gonna be a part of the message. She said, really dad? You're gonna talk about rest? I said, yeah. And right away I had to remind her, listen, Four of the last five Saturdays we had funerals. I think her response was something like this. There are other days of the week, Dad. Our families know our families need us. We need it. God has ordained it. Find your rhythm, your routine of rest. Back to the basics, get it right. I better get on to number two or we'll be here all day. <laughs> Rest our body. Second thing, renew your spirit. Renew your spirit. First Kings 19, 11. God is speaking to Elijah in the cave. He's having a conversation with him. And God says this to Elijah. He says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence 
of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Mm. You know the scripture. There was a great wind. It was such a, a mighty wind that it tore the rocks off of the, the cliff. There was an earthquake. There was a fire. None of those was God in. But then Elijah heard it. The gentle whisper. And he covered his face. And he went to the edge, the mouth of the cave. And he began to look for the Lord because the Lord was present. He entered into God's presence. When we get into the presence of the Lord, something changes. There is a renewal that takes place. There, the presence of God is restorative. It's refreshing. He revives. He renews us. Our focus and our clarity clear up. We're realigned. There's a realignment in our spirit. He gives us a love for people who may not be lovable or who have let us down or hurt us or disappointed us. When we get in the presence of God, something changes in us. Our spirit is renewed. We change, our perspective changed. We see clearly, we see people as God sees them. And we get to have a conversation with the Lord. Elijah hears God's voice. Probably none of us have heard it audibly, but we've all heard it. And the voice of the Lord comes and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And Elijah sets the Lord straight. He says, Lord, you know. He said, everybody else in Israel have bowed their knee. Just me. I am zealous for you, God. Just me. I'm all that's left. I'm all you got. When we get in God's presence, we learn things that we didn't know. And Elijah hears God's voice say, now there are 7,000 who have not bowed their knee to Baal. And besides that, I've still got some work for you to do. And he began to, to lay out the future for Elijah. He began to see through God's eyes. How we get into the presence of God and where it differs for all of us. Credentialed ministers who are moms. I'm sorry. <laughs> we just spent four months living with my daughter and son-in-law. They have two little ones, two and under. Babies are always crying. They're always needing a diaper change. They're always needing to be fed. They're always needing attention. I don't know how you do it. But you get it done. And so, wherever you're at in life, I've never faced that challenge quite like you have, Mom. But God says, go on the mountain. 
go where my presence is. Find it. And it might look a little different for all of us. When I go to the office, I try to get there an hour early. I have a room upstairs. It's known as the conference room, and I know it as Mark's prayer room. If I'm there early enough, there's not a conference going except my conference with Jesus. Find your place. Find your rhythm. Find your time. Renew your spirit. Yes, there is a point number three, and I'm on it. Back to the basics. Rest your body. Renew your spirit. And then the Lord says to Elijah, replicate yourself. Replicate yourself. Verse 16, he says, go and anoint Elijah to be your successor. You're not going to work alone at this. You're not going to, you're going to have someone there to, to help lift your hands, to support you. And in that process, you're going to pour into their life. You're going to raise them up as the next generation of leaders. Back to the basics, church. This is what, what God has called us to do, to raise up leaders, to raise up disciples. This is our calling. There's nothing more energizing than spiritual sons and daughters. Nothing Nothing greater than sharing life and ministry with others who serve alongside of us. This chapter 19, it ends with these words. Elisha, Elisha set out to follow Elijah and he became his servant. Wow. Elisha served Elijah. Elijah's ministry was far from over. Oh, he'd had the greatest day ever when you look at what happened on that one day of an entire nation repenting. But it wasn't over. God had much yet for him to do. Elisha, he was just, a, some would say he was just a water boy. He never got on the field. He never got to play. For seven, eight years, that he served Elijah. He never became a starter. He wasn't even a backup. He was the water boy. And when Elijah was ushered into heaven, this is what they said about Elisha. Mm. He poured water over the hands of Elijah. He was locked, loaded, ready. There was no hesitation. Elijah says, what would you have from me? Oh, a double portion. I've been waiting seven years for this. This is what we have the privilege of doing, leaders, pastors. Raising up leadership. Letting them come alongside us and serve and be part of the ministry. Nothing more rewarding than spiritually reproducing yourself. Pastor St. John has been, and Vicki St. John, have been mentors in our lives for 38 years. That's a pretty good run. Pretty exciting. What a privilege we've had. Now we have the privilege of building on 
their legacy as leaders. And I can tell you this, knowing Pastor and Vicki, nothing would please them more is then the ministry would go much further than it is today when they pass the baton off. That's just a part of leadership that we get to be a part of, church. Passing the baton, raising up leadership. Kirby was five years old when we moved to Hibbing. He was such a cute little kid. Des still thinks he's really handsome. And he is. We got to be his youth pastor for a few years. We got to do youth ministry, student ministry together when he went to Cold Spring. And I can tell you this, that as Kirby leads student ministries and they go places we've never were able to take it, it just brings a smile to our face to think that those who have followed us can take it beyond where we were able to take it. This is our calling. This, these are the basics. It, it brings energy to us as leaders to pour into others and, and it brings life into the church. It's how we got here today. Every one of you here today receiving credentials and I'm done, just about. Every one of you have people who have invested in you or you wouldn't be here. Every one of you. Those people have done the work of Elijah in your life. They've made you better and you've made them better. And now, it's your turn. Your turn. Elijah was recharged when he rested. He was renewed in God's presence when he replicated himself. He had another six, seven, eight years in him he didn't know he had. He was ready to go home. God had work for him to do. He didn't have, he didn't have to just remember one great day of ministry. You read the scriptures. He had a whole lot more. Elijah finished strong, unlike some of the other leaders we read about in Scripture. Because he wasn't afraid to come back to the base. Sorry. He wasn't afraid to come back to the basics, get it right, and renew his spirit daily, rest his body, reproduce. He finished strong. This is God's word. Here we go. It's an exciting new chapter.